Today I have here Felipe, who is a student of mine, an accent training student, and he's also an English teacher himself. He's pulled off uh, quite a bit in terms of his own spoken English. And um, well, welcome on to the Accent Training Podcast. Tell us about yourself a little bit. Hello there, Patrick. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Well, uh, since 2012, I've taught English, but it's been a long journey, actually. I'm Brazilian, so I'm surrounded by Portuguese speakers 24-7, and I live in a city that uh, we don't really see many gringos or, like, native speakers around very often. So it's been a long journey. So being a Brazilian who had, you know, like you say, you didn't have a lot of uh, English schools popping up in your neighborhood, I suppose, um, or at least not a lot of native English speakers passing through. How did you go about learning the English language? Because I'm sure our listeners would agree with me that you speak very clearly. It all started when I was eight. So I'm not sure if I remember because of the age and everything when the movie Titanic was released. I uh, I was invited to watch it. So the whole, fam- the whole family was gathered around the TV. And uh, the year was 1997. <laughs> I just dated oh, myself yeah. here. So, uh, so the thing is, the movie, it, it was not dubbed. So I was uh, used to watching dubbed movies, but this one, mm-mm, I would have to listen to the original audio. And obviously, I would have the subtitles, but considering I was just a kid, you know, I wouldn't uh, be able to read the subtitles. So all I had to rely on was body language facial expressions, and obviously the audio. So that's when I, you know, when I actually realized that I liked English. And and, and as a matter of fact, uh, the very first word I learned in English, I learned in English by, uh, by myself, was in that movie. Oh, what word was that? Please. <laughs> Please. Exactly. Oh, that's a good place to start. It's like this scene where uh, Rose and Jack inside the ship and they're trying to go up and uh, there's like they're trapped behind a door and there is this guy walking uh, on the other side. And then uh, Rose and Jack scream like, please, please, please. So I I do remember that. Just to kind of, you know, zero in on that moment, I'm just curious. Did you learn the word from the context or did you ask, you know, your one of your brothers or sisters or your mother around you or your father what the word meant? It was actually from context. So please, I'm just curious, how would you say please in Portuguese? It's Yeah, it's pretty similar to Spanish. It's <laughs> por favor. Por favor. And so... Exactly. So that sounds nothing like please. So that's fascinating that just, you know, your mind, you were able to absorb that and make that connection that they were begging. You know, this was a begging word, please. And it's, of course, it's a very polite one. Very good. That's fascinating. Also, at the end of the movie, there is this 
beautiful Celine Dion song, My Heart Will Go On. I definitely loved it. That's a worldwide hit, right? Like everybody hears that. It, it just has an emotional kind of grasp on people. That, that song's a tearjerker, as we, as they'd say. Uh huh. Yes. Indeed. So a couple uh, months after that, I got this cassette tape uh, with the soundtrack of the movie. And then my mom says, because I was so young, I don't really remember all those details. My mom says I would listen to that song over and over again, you know, for hours. And then at a certain point, she would come to me and, and ask, oh, uh, what is it, Felipe? Why are you listening to this over and over again? I, I turned to her and say, someday I'll understand everything that's in this in these lyrics. And I'll also be able uh, to sing the song. <laughs> Have you reached that goal? Have you sung the song? Yeah, I, I'm not very proud of my singing skills. <laughs> but I do know the lyrics nowadays. <laughs> okay, so you, you're, you wouldn't be comfortable singing it for a public audience. But uh, you know the words. You could pull it off if you needed to. And that's it, right? That's what you were working for at eight years old. You, you didn't really know the gravity of that goal, how that one small goal, I'm going to practice this song until I can sing it to you, mom. Um, that one small goal grew into something else. Like what came next after that? I'm just curious how we started with please. And then that turned mm -hmm. into a, a lovely song, which you liked and you learned the words for. And, and after that, what was the next goal? I grew up um, in a like a very humble. Uh, I have a, a very humble background, so I couldn't afford a uh, a language course. I wanted to study English after that, but I couldn't, so I had to, you know, study by myself. So I got like a, a textbook, and then while the normal kids were playing outside, I was, you know. Uh, answering that book over and over again. So by the time I reached the end of it, I would erase all the answers and then answer it all over again because it was the only English book that I had. So you would just repeat the exercises again and again. The other kids were out playing soccer, playing well, football, I guess most people would call it. And, uh, and you had no interest in that. You just wanted the English. You just wanted to learn these words. That's yeah, all? I realized wow. it was my passion, actually. Uh, yeah, that very clear. That is very clear. What other resources at that time did you have available to you? Was it only this book or were there other movies, you know, anything else that you could find around? That's a great question, Patrick. <laughs> Back in the days, internet was, I don't know, I didn't even know what internet was. I had no access to English at all. My resources were pretty limited to, to that book, to be more specific. Uh, I actually had access to uh, like this Portuguese to English dictionary. But other than that, <laughs> I didn't have any other, you know, um, resources to rely on. Yeah, and dictionaries aren't very captivating. They're extremely 
dry content to read and study. It's it's tough to get excited about the dictionary. Good. Well, I mean, good for you that you continued on that path. So at what point was it that you were able to take things up a notch, that you were able to start enhancing your speaking skills and start using all of what you learned? Because I imagine it must have been difficult to use your English at the time. So when did that change? I uh, moved to another state here in Brazil. It's uh, called Santa Catarina. It's in the south. And then I was working with, um, you know, all kinds of things. You know, I, I have worked at uh, supermarkets, like grocery stores, right? Factories, like a textile factory and a lot of different jobs. And then I remember I was uh, doing a job interview at a hotel. It's this fancy hotel, a uh, four-star hotel the human resources manager, he asked me, what's your passion? And then I was uh, trying to get this uh, reception is like a, a front desk clerk or a, a bellhop position. And then he asked him that question, what's your passion, Felipe? And then uh, I didn't even hesitate. I just said English. I love English. And he was like, why don't you work with that? Why don't you become an English teacher? And then at that point, something in my mind was like, uh, it was like this huge uh, signal telling me to, to follow this, uh, this dream. I actually did not take that job at the hotel. I came back to my home state and then I uh, enrolled in a language school for a, a short period. And then the first day that I was there, I, I got interviewed by the school coordinator, and then he asked me, uh, what are your goals for the next couple of years? Then I turned to him and say, I want to be a teacher. I want to be an English teacher here in this very language school. He was like, yes. I was like, yeah, sure. And uh, I would say uh, one year and a half after that, that goal came true. I, yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's pretty much it. 18 months later, you have gone from student to teacher. That's so cool. And I mean, now I think you, you've told me in the past, I think now you focus more on the online aspect, right? And less on the one-on-one uh, -on -one or less on, you know, class teaching. Yeah. Uh, since the pandemic, uh, things changed, right? The world changed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. So I actually uh, realized it was a good opportunity. I actually started off with uh, one student. I started out with one student and then another one. And I, uh, I'm completely relying on word of mouth. And nowadays I have almost 20 students. <laughs> so through word of mouth and recommendations, You've grown quite a, a pretty good student base, 20 students. That's really good. It's, um, it's powerful, right? The, the, you know, testimonies when somebody hears how someone else has succeeded, they want the same. And so they say, Hey, give me your guy's number. Good for you. How did your experience as a self taught English learner shape your teaching methods and approaches? 
Like, do you think that you have a different approach from the other teachers that you used to work with, your your old colleagues? Well, uh, looking back, I, I would always be a bit more, like, demanding. I would ask my students to pronounce word, words correctly. I would ask them to take uh, that, uh, to run that extra mile. So you'd hold them up to the standard that you hold yourself in order yeah. for them to see the results that you've seen for yourself. Like no one else is going to push your students to learn the skills but their teacher, you know, and themselves, really, but they've got to do it. But you as the teacher, it's absolutely your job because if you aren't hard on them, if you aren't, you know, making sure that they're repeating things and practicing between classes, then they're kind of wasting their time, right? And that's not good. We certainly don't want that. Um, exactly. How did people respond? How did students respond? Did some people say, oh, no, I don't like Felipe. He's He's too tough on us. Or did other, you know, I guess clearly a lot of people have gravitated towards you. How did it go for you teaching with this uh, approach? Yeah, I think you're right. Most students didn't really like it. It actually costed me money because I would just miss the groups. The school would always like talk to the students and once, uh, since I have uh, failed them, they would actually replace the teacher. <laughs> they would, so it costed me money. But I imagine that this helped you reshape your approach, maybe work on your cadence, your delivery of the uh, the exercises, or would you say you still go with the uh, the hardcore pushing them? I still push my students, and I actually quit my job at the language school. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I like it. So you're looking to take people who want to work hard, and you want to shape their skills to be top-level skills, like top-notch. You're not looking for people who aren't, in, you know, who don't want to do the work. I'm glad to hear that. That uh, you're showing people the results that you know, serious results, and you're showing them exactly what path it's going to take to get there. Many of these people listening are like you, you know, people who are just looking for English resources, trying to find whatever they can. What advice would you give to them to better teach themselves English effectively? Are there any specific steps or techniques that you found particularly helpful? that you could share right now? Well, uh, believe it or not, but uh, I would say that listening to podcasts has actually uh, been a game changer in my English uh, speaking. Any podcasts in particular? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> yours is one of the podcasts that I always listen to. But uh, uh, in course. general, like podcasts that are focused on English and accent training and mostly American English and communication. I also listen to uh, some podcasts that are focused on like uh, speakers, people who want to be professional speakers. And the, those have also been uh, pretty helpful. Okay. And do you have any recommendations? I mean, 
after the Accent Training Podcast. Any other good ones that you get excited for when you see a new episode come out that uh, that you find helpful? There is the All Ears English podcast. I'm pretty sure you you're familiar. With, I've heard of it. The hosts, yeah, uh, I more or less, but I know that's a real popular one. Yeah, there is also Business English, and uh, when it comes to uh, to uh, the the speakers. The public speaking. Oh, there are so many, Patrick. I have a hard time. Oh, there's this one. This one's great. Like this from the uh, Stanford University. Think fast, talk smart. Think fast, talk smart. I like the exactly. sound of that. That's. I'll check that. If that's a Stanford University podcast, is it like professors talking? Yes, mostly. The host is one of the professors, and he uh, usually interviews other professors and sometimes people from, like, different uh, areas, but it's basically, uh, it focuses around communication. Very cool. I like this one. I'm going to start listening to that podcast myself today. Think fast, talk smart. Uh, and the All Ears English Podcast. couple more great resources for everyone out there looking to further expand their skills. Do you have any any final thoughts or any pieces of advice that you'd like to, you know, wrap things up with? Something that people can take away from this thinking about? I would say that uh, your listeners, you guys, you that... Uh, you don't have English as your first language, maybe you you don't have the opportunity or maybe it's not the right time for you to live or to visit a country which has English as its first language. Uh, it's not, uh, don't make this obstacle stop you from uh, learning English. You can actually implement some um, daily habits some actions that can help you develop that skills, you know, uh, that uh, listening and speaking skill set that you need to achieve your dream to speak English. 